Thank you, uh, Jeff and choir, and thank you, Murray and Gina. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 5? Luke chapter 5. How many of you are here today? Would you raise your hand if you're here today? This section's over here, is here, the rest of you kind of. But congratulations for being here for on a rainy day. For every drop of rain that falls, a Baptist stalls. Isn't that the way it goes? And uh, it, we had the spring forward, so it's a bad hair day, but we'll make it through it, okay? So Luke chapter 5. Uh, last night, uh, Susan and I were eating at a five-star restaurant, uh, Lambert's. Any of you ever been to Lambert's? They throw rolls at you, and matter of fact, I caught one of those rolls. I still got it. Um, my grandson wanted to go to Lambert's. He was playing soccer yesterday, and after the game, he wanted to go to Lambert's, and so I tolerated that and went to Lambert's. But uh, down the road was uh, Krispy Kreme, and the hot sign was on at Krispy Kreme. I don't know what it is that does that about the hot sign on at Krispy Kreme. So uh, Susan, I prayed, Lord, if it is your will, let us find a parking place at Krispy Kreme. And we had to circle it three times, but we finally found one. And obviously, it was God's will for us to eat those Krispy Kreme donuts in the hot sun. Now, uh, we're looking at a scripture passage today about Jesus in the house, and the hot sign was on. And it was crowded. There wasn't any room anywhere. The front rows were crowded. Uh, can you imagine that? I mean, Baptists fill from the back to the front. Isn't that right? If you were to go to Williamsburg in the old church that's there, they bought uh, pews and they bought them the most expensive ones were on the front row. Okay? If Nick Saban was here, they would fill up from the front row up. When Jerry Henry's here, they'd start from the back. So anyway, I'm glad that you're here and those guys are going to show up one of these days. And I know this church is looking forward to that. Um, Luke chapter 5 is about, last week we talked about Jesus calling his disciples. Jesus was preaching by the Sea of Galilee. He had been rejected at his hometown of Nazareth, so he moved his headquarters to Capernaum, which was right there on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, three disciples that will be his inner circle were kind of comfortable in their Christianity, and they would come and go. And he wanted more commitment than that. And so being a disciple is not a come-and-go experience. If you're a Christian, you ought to be a disciple. And he's calling for commitment, not just to be comfortable, but to be on the cutting edge with what Jesus was doing. And so Peter was there in the boat, and he called Peter, let's go out into the deep. Let's quit stirring around the edges here. Let's go deep with this thing. And so Peter did, and under his command, he caught the greatest fish he had ever caught. But not only was Peter the one uh, being called, but also James and John. And that was Jesus' inner circle. And when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he took these three disciples with him. 
When he brought the girl back, Jairus' daughter, back from the dead, he had these three disciples to be there with him. When he was struggling in the Garden of Gethsemane, he got these three disciples to be with him. So he's calling us today to come out of our shallowness in our Christianity. And let's go deep. And I think one of the problems with Christianity today is that we're too comfortable and we remain comfortable and we miss out on that deep catch that he has for us. Now, he's now in a house, and he's in Capernaum, and he's in a house. And as he's in that house, the place is full. And what happens is that uh, four guys come carrying a pallet with their friend that they care about so much, and they're being carried by these four guys. And so often we need to be carried by somebody because we cannot carry ourselves. And we run into those kind of days where things, we just need somebody to carry us. And so they come into the house. Now, in honor of God's word, would you stand and would you look at one verse, and that's verse 20. Well, we can't leave out 19, so we gotta start with 19. And when they could not, find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. They went upon the housetop. This is a through-the-roof experience. And it's worth taking somebody through the roof if you can get them in front of Jesus. Now, that deserves an amen. Amen? Would you just come out of your closet there and just say amen? It won't hurt. It really won't hurt. Now, they bring him and they can quit. They can call it a day. But faith pushes past the obstacle. And faith will find a way. Let him down through the tiling. They had tile roofs and his couch into the midst before Jesus. That'd be great to see that, wouldn't it? I don't know who would be Jesus, but somebody would have to be Jesus to come and and make that happen. And when he saw their faith, because faith is something you see, he said unto them, young man, your sins are forgiven you. That's the greatest news this world has ever heard. May God bless the reading of his word and you may be seated. Now, a couple of years ago, I was going back to work, and when I was going back to work, I saw a lemonade stand, and uh, six-year-old girls were manning the lemonade stand. So I like to encourage uh, business women, so <laughs> I stopped and asked them how much the lemonade was, and they said 50 cents, and I thought that was kind of expensive for lemonade, but said, okay. So I gave them the 50 cents, and they gave me the cup. And then they stood there with me. I said, why are you standing here with me? And they said, we want you to drink your lemonade because we need our cup back. (laughs) (laughs) Evidently, they had run out of cups. And I don't know where I was in on the cup drinking kind of deal there. (laughs) 
But the demand had exceeded the supply. And they taught me a very amazing principle is this, that demand never exceeds God's supply. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now here's some needs that he supplies in, in this situation. Needs that he supplies is the paralysis that it affected this man. And sin has a way of bringing paralysis somewhere. It always does. Something's paralyzed in our life and needs to be set free. He was also able to physically heal the man. Because he can do that. And he's done that. He brought three people that we know of back from the grave. And there's so many times that I have uh, been in front of a casket and wanted God to raise that person. But I thought to myself, bringing them back may not be the best thing for them. I mean, because what we have eventually and what God has made for us far exceeds anything we can even grasp. I mean, he, over here, life sometimes does its worst, but over there is God's best, and nothing could be better than God's best. But he has the power to heal us physically. He has the power to heal us spiritually. And you cannot get that anywhere else. So uh, Jesus tells us in this short verse is where he introduces the idea of forgiveness. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have regrets about some things we wish we had done or some things we wish we hadn't done and those kind of things kind of stay with us and they just don't go away and we end up pushing them down and pushing them down but they come back in some other form because it's sin that needs to be dealt with and the only way you and I can deal with it is in the power of Jesus Christ now, Jesus is about to go into the danger zone. He has been very popular in Galilee, and his popularity has risen. So he's about to go into the danger zone. He's going to come face to face with opposition that comes from the Pharisees, the religious think tank, all those in charge in Jerusalem. He can stay with his popularity or can introduce something that's going to be hard for him to live down with them because it's got idea of forgiveness and they've got a whole temple system that's built around all the way from the time of Cain and Abel where you come and make your sacrifices there in this place. And Jesus has the audacity to say, your sins are forgiven. Because only God can do that. So he begins with, this series starts out in verse 16, if you have your Bible. It starts out with the fact that Jesus withdrew himself to go pray. He had that time that he spent with God. Some people are early morning people. Some people like to spend time with God in the morning, reading some devotional, trying to get prayer right with you and trying to get your day started off. Billy Graham used to do his devotionals at night, and it worked for Billy, so whatever you do. 
Um, for Susan and me, I am a morning person. I get up in the morning. I like to get things done in the morning. For Susan, she comes alive after 9 o'clock at night and 10 o'clock at night. And so God has kept us together in spite of those kind of differences of when we're at our best. Okay. Um, Jesus withdrew himself early in the morning because he's about to go into the danger zone. And opposition is going to come at him and come at him hard. And they're going to accuse him of blasphemy. And that's the charge they're going to bring. And the first time that charge appears is in this section of scripture. So he withdrew himself. And, and because one of the things was he could say what everybody likes to hear. And he's very popular. And that kind of popularity can become addictive. A lot of politicians are addictive to saying just what people like to hear rather than what they need to hear. So here's something that he's going to introduce that will kind of make the opposition come at him stronger than it ever had. Uh, when I was in Vietnam, I remember a day the intelligence officer came to us and I was in charge of the Sentry Dog Platoon. I was a Sentry Dog Platoon leader. And the intelligence officer said, the VC are coming in tonight. It was the dark of the moon. That's when they like to hit us, in the dark of the moon. The first wave will have satchel charges. The second wave will have flamethrowers. And the third wave will be the main wave. And a different kind of feeling began to penetrate that group of men that I was with. Oh, we're going to be here tomorrow. Sometimes opposition comes at you kind of hard and we run away from opposition. Jesus is going to walk into that opposition because that is the will of God. And so he withdrew himself to get God's direction and to get God's strength for what he had to face. Verse 17 tells us that it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. And so Mark tells us it was in a house. It may have been his house. Somebody's house that he was in. Maybe he had a house there in Capernaum. But at, people showed up that had not showed up before. Verse 17 tells us that it was the Pharisees and Teachers of the law that came from every place around there. They came from Galilee. They came from Judea. And here's for the first time. They come from Jerusalem. And they're not there to listen to what he has to say. They're there to find something that he says that they can use against him. And that's a hard place to be. So all of a sudden in verse 18, there's these four men and they have this guy with a paralysis. We've not told us what kind of paralysis it had. But he had a paralysis and he couldn't move and he had to have help. If he was going to get to Jesus, somebody would have to bring him to Jesus. And I hope you have somebody in mind that you would like to see that needs to get to the feet of Jesus. So these guys try to get through the crowd and they can't get through the crowd and one of the worst things about trying to get to Jesus sometimes is a crowd around Jesus. And so they, they, they tried to push, but the crowd wouldn't move. Nobody made any room for them. 
So here's what could happen. They could, like I said a while ago, they could either give up or they could go up. And their faith said, we want to go up. And let's go to the roof. And so they go to that roof and they tear up the tiles. Um, I had my roof torn up during Hurricane Sally, as a matter of fact. Um, But they're on purpose and they put him right down in front of Jesus. And Jesus is teaching. And that got the crowd's attention. Picture that in your mind. He's in a house. It's probably not a big house. It's probably a small house. Place is crowded. And all of a sudden, the paralyzed man comes through the roof and his friends are up there. Yes, we finally got him, Jesus. Finally got him, Jesus. So many people that I have been working with that have finally come to Jesus, I said, amen. We finally got him to Jesus. So Jesus looks at the men and saw their faith. And he did something that they never thought he would do. He just turned to the man who was sick of the palsy and he said, your sins are forgiven. You're forgiven. First time that's used in the gospel. Because the deepest need of his life was not the paralysis that held him physically. It was a paralysis that held him spiritually. And the deepest need of mine in your life is those things that grab us and hold us spiritually that won't let us go and they have this kind of hold on our life and we kind of won't let them go. And it's whenever sin's there, paralysis is sure to be. We don't know why he was paralyzed. We don't know what his sin was. We do know that he was forgiven. He was released. And all the scribes and Pharisees said in verse 21, you can't do this. And how many times have we been in churches that we wanted to step out in places and there were always people saying, you can't do this. We've never done this before. But Jesus is Jesus. And so Jesus listened to their hearts. Can you imagine having somebody here in your heart and knowing what was in there? I used to go to Wallace and uh, when they had a uh, haircut group they're trying to teach how to give men's haircuts. And so you'd go in there and get your haircut free. But when I looked in the mirror, I looked, I didn't know who that was in the mirror. And they were saying, are you okay? And I was saying, yeah. But in my heart, I was saying, you just messed my hair up. And the reason I lost most of that hair today is because I've got those free cut haircuts out there at Wallace. Uh, can you imagine that? Or sitting in the beauty parlor in the chair, how do you like your hair? I hate it. <laughs> but you don't do that. You smile and say, it's fine. It's fine. But what can be so intimidated is Jesus heard their hearts and he could read our hearts. And there are things that we have secret there 
that we don't want anybody else to see. A psychologist says we are as sick as our secrets. And there's this secret person inside of me that is dealing with so many things. And those secrets lie hidden. So Jesus said this, is it easier for me to forgive him of sins or tell him to rise up and walk? It's easier to tell him to rise up and walk because what it's going to cost him to go is to go to the cross and hang on the cross in the middle of the day when all had turned dark and Jesus cries out with that cry for the first time the father and son were separated and he would cry out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken? It's easy to tell him to get up and walk. It's harder for him to be separated from the Father for the sins that you and I have committed, but there's no other place to go to get forgiveness. So in verse 24, he uses a term that first time appears in, um, in Luke, but it appears throughout Jesus' ministry. The Son of Man. Son of Man comes from Daniel 7. Talks about in the end times, the Son of Man is coming in power and authority. But it's Jesus' identity, and he uses that more than anywhere else. And he fills it full of meaning, and one of the places here that he fills it full of meaning is that the Son of Man can forgive sins. Verse 24, but that you may know. Uh, I need that assurance. I need that. How many times that I have been to a person's room that knew they only had a few more days left. And they said this, I'm not sure I'm saved. So I would share with them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would watch them take my hand and say, somehow they had been through so many sermons and so many church services and never knew that they were saved. That you may know that the Son of Man has authority. And the word there, authority, is a Greek word, ekousia. It means it comes from his inside out. On earth to forgive sins. And the word there, sins, means to be released. And I say unto you, and this is a word that he used, a Greek word there he used, was anastasis, arise. Pick up your mat. Go home. Because that's the greatest place that you can show that you have been forgiven of your sins is when you go home. It's also one of the worst places that you can show you haven't been forgiven of your sins is when you go home. And immediate, verse 25, there was this power that came in him that was more than losing the cups and the lemonade stand. It had that power to make him rise. And all of a sudden this power came out of him and he rose and he took up his bed and he departed the house. But he didn't do it the same way he came in. In verse 25, he had this song on his heart. Blessed be the tie that binds. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. 
peace, goodwill toward men. He was singing a song. Not only was he singing song, the whole congregation broke out. It was a charismatic moment, man, let me tell you. It's like preaching in the church of God. I like preaching in the church of God. You never knew what they're going to do. Or a black church. I like to preach in a black church. They'll say, help him, Jesus, help him. And then I feel this surge coming in me, and I don't know where it comes from. And I usually preach for two hours after that comes. The whole place broke out. Even the Pharisee. What a moment. They were all fear with, filled with fear. Now the word there for fear is like respect. It's like, wow, this is just awesome. It's amazing how much we're exposed to and how little it changes our lives. And they had this glorifying moment, but then they're going to go back to casting accusation against Jesus. It's hard to change things sometimes when we're set in our ways. We have never seen anything like this ever before. And they accuse him of blasphemy, but they end up glorifying God. The word there is paradox. It's a paradox. You know what a paradox is? When um, Rob Curry and Park Chittam are together, it's a paradox. <laughs> I thought that was good. It just went over your head. Paradox is something you feel and you don't understand it, but it's bigger than you are. It's a mystery that God can bring in our moment. And there's so much that we cannot reason with our minds that God brings to us that is beyond our ability to understand. We just feel it. Now, kind of some things I want you to bring out of this. One is this that um, guilt is a hard thing to deal with. Um, guilt kind of sinks inside of our soul. It stays there. And then it goes deeper. And then for a while we become guilty about what we've done or not done, but after a while we became become shameful of who we are because we have done what we have done and that guilt kind of just hangs there and it takes more than just a surface confessing and I have a friend who every night before he goes to bed he prays to God forgive him of what he's done and he feels good about that and he goes on to bed but that's just a surface kind of thing it didn't go to the depth of the guilt that is there because when you really feel forgiveness of sin what happens is it makes you a brand new different kind of person you don't become the same uh, our Catholic friends have this confessional booth they go to and so they feel like they can do well, a lot of, some of them anyway that you can do whatever you do as long as you confess and you go out clean but confession is deeper than that it's deeper than that because the sin of guilt is deeper than that Sigmund Freud uh, had a lady who had this kind of fantasy for her sister's husband and her sister's husband passed away. And when 
or excuse me, her sister passed away. And so when her sister passed away, she was paralyzed from her waist down. So Sigmund Freud put her under hypnosis, and when he put her under hypnosis, this guilt came up and the paralysis went away. Because guilt has this kind of deep down inside of you that stays down to you there. And it doesn't come out the same way it went in. It comes out with shortness of anger or irritation or some kind of form that just is always under stress. But it's not the stress. That's a symptom of what deeper inside of us. And only Christ can forgive that. Only the work of the Holy Spirit can release us from that so that the symptoms will also disappear. Prayed with a girl named Katie one time. Katie, Katie came to me and uh, she felt so guilty. She, she had had an abortion. She had graduated from high school. She had been a um, vacation Bible school. She'd come to see me. She had been baptized. And then when she graduated from high school, Katie, Katie went to Gulf Shores, got involved in a cult there, and especially with this cult leader, became pregnant. In a pregnancy, she, she had an abortion. And so she came to see me. One day she just walked in my office. Hadn't seen her since I'd baptized. And she said, Dr. Henry, I just feel so guilty. I keep seeing my little baby. And I wonder why. That's a person I don't like that did that. And that was a person I had become. And so I talked to her about the guilt that can be washed away. We went down in front of the church and we knelt in front of the church when nobody else was there. Katie confessed her sin. And she seemed to walk up like a new person. And I wish you could tell you what a fine Christian Katie is today. But a couple of years later, she went back to Gulf Shores with the same group she had been with. Because sin has such a pull on our life, if you don't deal with it in the right kind of way, it will keep pulling you and pulling you until you go back to that same old person you used to be. Yeah, you cannot cannot forgive somebody who has wronged you when you never have received forgiveness yourself. And people who haven't received forgiveness themselves has an easier time of holding grudges, blaming other people, and holding on to that kind of self that guilt makes us to become. And this morning we're going to sing Jesus Paid It All. It's in your hymnal. So if you turn to your hymnal 249. But before we sing the invitation, I want to give you some time with just you and God. The hot sign's on. Jesus is in the house. So I like our invitations to be time when just you and God.
He promised that every Sunday when we get together, we're going to celebrate Easter, but every Sunday we get together, we celebrate the fact that we serve a living Savior. And the early church started worshiping on Sunday because it's the first day of the week. But it's a God that has this still, small voice. And so would you bow your heads for just a moment? For just a moment, just you and God. And where's a place that you need God's release? Maybe it's a symptom. But maybe there's something deeper here that's coming between you and God. Maybe it's something you did in the past. Maybe it's something you said in the past. But it still has this hold on you that only the power of God can release in Jesus Christ. Father, be with us today in that still, small voice. Help us to see the moment when the man was there in Jesus, at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said those words, your sins are forgiven. In a quiet whisper, or maybe a loud voice. But the release came. And there was such a resurrection moment. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you did pay it all. And all to you we owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but you washed it whiter than snow. All of us are sinful. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the power of confession gives you the opportunity to release that sin. Help us to feel your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.